Pacific Pelican US slash sixty four. Episode number 128. And if you want to find show notes and information, just yeah. check the website, PacificPelican.us slash 64. And I'm going to SoundCloud now. Okay. To play Are You That Somebody? Acoustic cover by Banks. B-A-N-K-S, all caps. Just got a really cool vibe, and um, if you like that female singer acoustic, check her out. on SoundCloud. Oh, the kind of inline comments? Amazing. Exclamation points. Love Aaliyah. Yes, this is an Aaliyah cover. Okay. Dope. I'm dead. This is raw. (laughs) Nice! So have you uh, um, seen uh, the trend toward open offices? Open offices. So that's an oxymoron because, (laughs) I mean, an office is not really open. I mean, you have a door or something, but otherwise it's just like an open workspace, but it's not an office. I think by definition, an office... No, I take that back, actually. Okay. You're probably talking about a software program, right? No, I'm actually not talking about the <laughs> okay. about the um, uh, project, actually now controlled by Oracle, that's like a uh, competitor to Windows um, uh, Office and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, the, you know what happened with that is that it became 
LibreOffice, the a lot of the developers moved to a project, a fork, you know, an open source uh, project that was based on the code and taken, and then they made their own version of it and maintained it on their own site. And so I think it may have surpassed OpenOffice in popularity, uh, probably not on the corporate side, but on the individual side, like the the um, consumer side. I, I mean, you know, we were talking about all the different competitive pressures on Microsoft Office, and, you know, there's like Google Drive slash Google Docs and all, which is still not that uh, refined. Branding problem, branding well, problem. Well, yeah, that's a, and conflating Google two Drive. different services. Well, the thing is they, they're pushing the drive, uh-huh. which is like a... Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe that's my own soundboard today. <laughs> <laughs> well, Google Drive is sort of a Dropbox competitor, but they also mashed Google Docs into it. So it's like kind of this mixture, you know, this hybrid service. It's trying to be too many things to too many people, or it's just toggly pog higgly piggly. Well, no, it's it's uh, de- it's being developed kind of like you know uh, a- a- on a gradual basis. So I think it gets better over time, but it still isn't as feature rich as um, you know other applications. Now, at, whereas like LibreOffice and its predecessor OpenOffice and other its previous predecessors have been around a long time. It maybe the code. Like, that was one of the things in LibreOffice is that they were trying to update the code because a lot of it was very old, like 90s code. But at the same time, it is a free download, and a lot of people really enjoy using it for their, you know, whatever, word processing or spreadsheets. I, I wasn't a fan of the word processor. I, th- I guess the spreadsheet thing was okay, but, but I, you know, I, I actually use uh, numbers on the laptop when I do spreadsheets. I mean, I think I like that a little better than G- Google Docs, but uh, I do have Excel on the MyMac still. If I, if I need to use that, you know, as a business school graduate, uh, got plenty of training in Excel. Yeah. Now you were talking about, um, open office, like the idea that you can have an office anywhere or. Yeah. No, uh, the um, idea of, of people having cubicles or, or, or not, or not non-partition cubicles, the idea of working, I don't know, in public at your company. And I think there's sort of a backlash brewing against that. There's a posting on the website of The New Yorker by uh, a writer named uh, Maria Konnikova, and uh, it includes this in the middle of it. Quote, in 2011, the organizational, in 2011, the organizational psychologist Matthew Davis reviewed more than 100 studies about office environments. He found that though open offices often fostered a symbolic sense of organizational mission, making employees feel like part of a more laid-back, innovative enterprise, they were damaging to the workers' attention spans, productivity, creative thinking, and satisfaction. Wow, can you read that list again? That's a long list. Damaging to workers' attention spans, productivity, creative thinking, and satisfaction. That sounds like a recipe for one unhappy employee. Compared with standard offices, employees experience more uncontrolled interactions, higher levels of stress, and lower levels of concentration and motivation. When David Craig surveyed some 38,000 workers, he found that interruptions by colleagues were detrimental to productivity and that the more senior the employee, the worse she fared, unquote. Yeah, I mean, interruptions are... Are, are not always so great when you're really on a roll and and you're staying focused 
Well, then there's some companies that are sort of behind the curve or have bought into some of the more um, bullshit-ridden aspects of Google propaganda and have decided to start moving in the direction of these, like, you know, relatively unstructured or, or maybe, let's say, non-private office environments. Don't you think it, it, the ability to actually get work done at, at a company requires a little bit of privacy and a, a little bit of, you know, like, concentration, too, and stuff like that? Yeah, well, it, it depends really on the type of work that you're doing. And um, I think that you should just provide a variety of spaces. So employees should, should have, like, really private, quiet spaces where they can think and write and not be distracted. Like, even just, you know, more social spaces where people, like, want to talk about an idea, but it's, like, casual. So, like, you know, it's, like, comfortable, relaxed seating. You have you bring your coffee, you have a meeting there. You know, then you, like, want to crank stuff out. Because there's, like, different phases of work, right? Like, not every phase is, like, sit at your desk, crank it out, and work. And that's kind of how desks, I feel like, are designed. And, like, I'm never at my desk. I'm always up and moving and, and working in the cafe, and we have some new collaboration areas and, you know, working in just other spaces because, I don't know, I think my desk feels so, like, confined and finite. And, like, you know, it helps for, like, people finding you. You know, like, I, I need to find you, I need to come talk to you kind of a thing sometimes. Like, but um, a guy I work with had a really interesting concept of doing almost, like, office hours. So, like, here's the two hours, you know, either this day or this week or whatever that I'll be at my desk that you can come, like, talk to me about things. And, you know, and then all the other times, you know, like, I'm off doing other things. But you know that I'll always be at my desk. Because it's hard to find people, you know, as people are moving around and being more mobile and, like, working in different spaces. And sometimes you want to come together and collaborate. And it's, like, it's just, it's, it would be nice to have spaces that really you know, counter to the whole flow of a project, right? So you're in a brainstorming, you're in a working mode, you're in a, you know, like design spaces so that you can, it can flow with your project. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like a, like a good way to look at it for sure. Like that's how I design my company. Like there's a brainstorm, you know, there's a working really hard and it's like, you have like different like lighting, you know, like you have different tactile things, you can have headphones, you can have music. The wall colors can be really soothing or really energizing, you know, and like, and then like people could work on a product or something kind of based on, and they can go into the space based on what they need to do. Like, you know, most projects have like phases. So I think it's kind of cool to, you know, like, like push the, the organizational design and, and instead of going between Cubes, no cubes. Cubes, no cubes. Offices, no offices. Offices, no offices. Like, work with the space and really see what you can do with the space that you have and, and really understand how people get work done. I mean, when you say, like, you know, you want to be in different spaces when you're doing, depending on what kind of work you're doing. Sometimes you want to be outside. Um, it helps to change the context. You know, some people them. really connect with nature. That really gets them, like, motivated. So they want to, like, be outside. Other people like to move. You know, so like have like a business environment where you could like have a walking meeting and you could have like a little microphone and it could clip on, it could record the conversation and transcribe it. Especially if you're just having like a, you know, you know, have a conversation or how are we going to work this out and you're worried about like note taking. Like you don't want to bring your laptop on the treadmill, you know, that's just 
accident <laughs> waiting to happen. Those treadmill dash are a different thing. They're, they've got more of a plane, but you know, but like really making like a cool, healthy, vibrant workspace, you know, have yeah. it outside, you know, have uh, good food, healthy snacks, smoothies, you know, have spaces to read, like, right? So like encourage people to like do reading and read articles and you know have a place to watch like videos and stuff that's like part of the trend i don't know like that would be a really cool workspace yeah yeah and the 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 ones that that are um yeah that are in the working world corporate world uh they're they're a whole range right now you know i think there there are a lot of different approaches being tried and i don't really know what you know maybe in a few years we'll, we'll um, have more data on what actually works but there's definitely you know yeah like like there are different contexts that people like to switch from right and if you can switch the environment maybe that helps you s- switch the context that way you're doing yeah exactly i mean i even think like so i was reading about this one company in san francisco and i can't remember you know i think they i think they were probably like a technology kind of heavy code base um you know company but they were um and i might have mentioned it on one of the other podcasts but they were looking for um employees right so they had like a bunch of jobs and part of their like deal or their gig or whatever was you can pick your computer equipment you can pick your setup you know i want three monitors i want two monitors i want this and that and they just said you you get five thousand dollars go set up your station however you want to set it up with that amount and i was like that's pretty cool like you know really you give them a responsibility and you let them set it up to work how they want it to work now i don't know that that could work in every environment in every industry but i would love that sounds like maybe the sort of perk that you end up having to bail your employees out from like they'll They'll get some sort of, you know, weird shaped chair that'll end up giving them back problems and making them pay more in their health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, maybe, I don't know, I could be wrong. Yeah, hey, like the Simpsons episode where Lisa, where they're all in those like new ergonomical chairs and Martin's back's going to Oh, in the school. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So yes. <laughs> there is this like, trend i guess a food trend and uh it's about toast now i love toast and um i think you like toast would you say you like toast yeah i mean certain breads i'm okay with toasting but i probably have just slice of bread like more than toasting it more than a lot of people you know like because like good like sourdough or or stuff that has like a real rough wheat you know like uh, or really fresh baked or perhaps slightly stale uh english muffin bread you know you don't need i don't certain i guess i kind of like really like certain breads and i don't i don't recommend letting bread get stale i'm just saying like like a <laughs> but i'm saying like if it, i like a lot of different breads and i'll i'll uh i'll enjoy the bread without toasting it so but i know you're you're probably a bigger fan of toast than i am yeah, I mean, toast is great. And you, and you, as a uh, uh, you know, being part Australian, having Australian heritage, uh, you uh, you do have your Vegemite on toast at times, along with other more American toppings. Yeah, I mean, this toast sells for three dollars a slice, so it better be some pretty you know, 
really good yummy yummy tasty toast so of course they've got to bake the bread fresh and you know put organic butter on it and all that good stuff you know homemade almond butter <laughs> you're gonna like make it at home but you know there's something about paying four dollars for toast really when you think about it we should we should bring that so um there there's this person that started it and um, she is a, and I'm quoting out from the article, San Francisco's toast craze. Um, the originator is a slight blue eyed 35 year old woman with freckles tattooed on her cheeks named Julietta Corelli. She has a good toast story. She grew up in a rough neighborhood of Cleveland in the eighties and nineties. Hi all Cleveland. And, um, in a big immigrant family, I'm going to guess Italian. Her father, a tailor from Italy. Hey, I didn't even read this before. <laughs> Her mother, an ex-nun. <laughs> Scandalous. Um, the family didn't eat much standard American food, but cinnamon toast, made in a pinch, was the exception. We never had pie, Corelli says. Our American comfort food was a cinnamon toast. <laughs> So she's got um, coffee and young Thai coconut served with a straw and a spoon for digging out the meat. Oh, my God. Toast, coffee, and coconuts. Like, my, like, trend alert is going off. It's going bazonkers. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. So check it out if you're in San Francisco. Um, check out the toast place and let us know what you think. <laughs> And um, start your own. Maybe you'll start your own toast story. So, what do you think? Would you pay $4 a slice for some toast? Mm, well, you know, I mean, if, if you wanted to go, I guess uh, that'd be fine. <laughs> oh, wow. She, uh... She, her grip on stability was fragile. She was between apartments and evictions. She slept in her truck in parks at China Beach on friends' couches. <laughs> she didn't have enough money to eat tonight. Um, she was good at making coffee with people, so she started making coffee. And she has, her shop is called Trouble. In honor of all the people who helped her when she was in trouble. She called her drip coffee guts and her espresso honor. She puts coconuts on the menu because of the years she has spent relying on them for easy sustenance. <laughs> because they surely did help her strike up conversations with strangers. She puts toast on the menu because it reminded her of home. I had lived so long with no comfort, she says. And she put build your own damn house on the menu because she felt with trouble that she had finally done so. Wow, this is like a, a deep probing profile <laughs> into the toast lady. It goes on and on and on. Um, oh, there's been an update. The story's been amended. I mean, that's that's how toasty it is. Hold on, I just got rye bread. We have to update the article. Um, so this is from psmag.com, and um, that's Pacific Standard, the science of society. I never heard of that, but... Uh, that's the toast story. Read it in all its interesting depth. Listen. Pacific Standard? What is Pacific it? Pacific Standard. PSMag.com. Oh. 
Okay, well, I'll have to check that site out then if they got uh, stuff like that going on. Um, yeah, I mean, who doesn't love toast? <laughs> I uh, I have a suspicion that uh, um, it's a it's a pretty big market, and certainly the melt people in uh, the the melt restaurant has expanded in in Cle- in the Cleveland area since we've been here from just that one liquid spot to like yeah. two other ones, and that's grilled cheese. Um, yeah, grilled cheese. I mean, yeah, and that, and that place Mel, Mel's pretty cool, you know. It's, sure, and it's, it's a relatively untapped market. Like they they came into a place where it's like, well, it's an interesting niche, and you can you know you can do pretty well there. For the first time, I think in my lifetime, Russia is closer to the truth than we are. No, 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 no. We are so unhinged. We are going to be remembered as an insane society, as a society that is just. Totally unhinged. What do you want? Totally disconnected from reality. This resets at some point. So what's going on? I mean, you know, uh, there's there's all that nonsense with um, you know, with with uh, all the international affairs going on. We talked about Ukraine when there was that um, or those riots going on, and then Ukraine, you know, overthrew their government, and then Crimea seceded away. And has been taken over by Russia, and that's still going on. And there's still like Ukrainian troops inside Crimea, and just all sorts of complications to that annexing of Crimea that that uh, Vladimir Putin has just done. But what's crazy? I mean, you know, it's it's in a distant part of the world, and there's really only so much America can do about things. But the that doesn't stop the Republic. I mean, I, you know, so Obama. I mean, you know, I think he's handled it right. I think saying like he's not going to use force. I mean, and then saying he's going to do something. I mean just kind of hemming and hawing i think like you know what are you really going to do i mean there's no sanctions and stuff but like whatever like the the um but but the 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 whole uh crazy part uh, republicans right-wingers mm-hmm. in the u.s have jumped on the vladimir putin bandwagon you heard glenn beck that right there before like it's basically basically stating what they're all saying like praising russia and and putin i mean that is some crazy shit that's they some like are... traitorous shit yeah. You see him just, like, just going and, like, you know, talking up a foreign leader who's not in, like, a conflict exactly with the U.S., but kind of on the edge of one, and, uh, and he's, you know, he he just, they just say, like, you know, this shit about it, like, like, what on earth, you know, makes him think that, that, like, I mean, I, I guess they have some, they have some admiration for Putin or something, I don't know. It, it's anti-Obama, I think. You know, it's whatever. Sorry. He. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're right. It's like they they will do anything, including uh, you know, uh, cater to foreign individuals. To, yeah. You know, to just oppose Obama. You're right. That's it. Definitely. That's Guru from Jazz Matanas Volume 1. The song's called Transit Ride. 
Well, got a little clip here. It's gonna go into. So, uh, I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, the Lily Ledbetter Act uh, isn't the answer for equal pay. More jobs are. More jobs, presumably, that continue to have unequal pay for women. Right. She does. She was pretty bad there. Yeah, you know, those, those, uh, those shills for Republicans, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to flog their wares, but especially in... in cases like that right they're all kind of going crazy right now i mean cheering for the russians and Mm. you know speaking out on um getting more jobs just to that'll fix the problem yeah well and then blocking uh any attempt at a stimulus or anything to, to actually create jobs 
to a center where they rain all night. Okay? Their giant facility, you know, bigger than Mall of America on record. With them reading your emails, watching your webcam, harassing their friends and wives. Uh, oh, that's scary. To select globalist corporations. I mean, they're just in there committing millions of crimes a day. In fact, it's billions, because every time they do it without a warrant, it's a crime. And, and now they've had Senator... Uh, Diane Feinstein come out two days ago and admit in a hearing. They always screw up and say classified stuff in public. That's what Dr. Bowman yeah, always talks about. The stuff he could admit about Star Wars and Black Mana and things were because the other people had blurted stuff out. You know, congressional hearings. the whole backbones tapped. Of course we're listening. That's on record. They're like, oh, man, that's they classified. They're listening position. to everything criminally. And they're building giant motherships to spy on us, to dial Motherships. <laughs> and iPhones and droids and computers and washers you. and dryers, everything with microphones and cameras, watching and listening to you on record. I, I think this is a recording. A you can sit outside the entrance there and videotape that parking lot and then the guard shack <laughs> and, the, and the real entrance all day long. <laughs> guard shack proves everything. <laughs> wow, Oberlin's playing University of Wisconsin Superior. Oh, oh yeah. In baseball. Oh. It's spring break there. You've been listening to the Pacific Pelican.us slash 64 podcast with me, Dan McKeown, and with Jessica. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. And this has uh, been recorded March 21st, 2014. Yeah, if you want to try, um, if you want to set up your own url shortening service uh i actually some of the features in my project pacific pelican.us slash cms so you can download that for free yeah that's open source gpl you don't have to have a long beer to download it <laughs>